All right, we are in the last part of this series, Training in the Word. It's a series that I've been very excited about, and uh, it's a series that I hope that you've been tracking with us on. And if you haven't, and this is your first day, I'm glad to have you here. And you can always pick up some of the pieces that uh, were there in the first three sessions. We are looking at how to live this thing out. And uh, I want to begin with a kind of a humorous question, but it's a little pointed. And the question reads this way. Which best describes your temper? Short fuse, big bomb? Long fuse, little fizz? Long fuse, nuclear explosion? Explain. Now, I'm typically a long fuse, little fizz kind of a guy, but in the last year and a half, there's been multiple times where I surprised myself and surprised others around me, and I didn't like it. And I'm sure that the others around me didn't like it either. I'm just wondering if that's been your experience also in the last year and a half or so, where maybe you had been in control of your emotions a little better than you have in the last year and a half. There's been a lot that has caused us to go with shorter fuses and quicker reactions. And so uh, we're going to try to figure out what do you do about situations like that. And training in the Word is how you deal with situations like that. A little bit of review, we in week one had the title, uh, Why Bother, which was mostly motivational, but it set the tone, and uh, that's a good one to not neglect if you didn't miss it, because it kind of packages together with the all four as we go. Then the next three components were kind of this way, take it in, process it, live it out. And so we're on the live it out section now. And so I want to jump right in, having said what I said about my last year and a half, we'll be confronted very bluntly and clearly by James in the Word of God, when in James 1, 19 through 20, we read this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So when I surprised myself, and it happened too often, and surprised others, and it happened too often, I was not quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, but I was slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. And that's a problem, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, to exacerbate that problem, I would justify it by saying, I'm not really angry, I'm hurt. I'm, I, I'm hurt, and hurt has this frustration, and you need to understand where I'm coming from, and then it just kind of rolls out. Now, in my home, you're going to wonder why I just switched to my home. In my home, I have smoke detectors. And these smoke detectors are the type that are hardwired in and have battery backup. Okay? And these hardwired smoke detectors sometimes can be tricky. Not too long ago, uh, one of the smoke detectors started chirping in the middle of the night. 
ah. And when that happens, you know you've got to do something or it's just going to keep you awake. But the middle of the night is a terrible time to try to figure out how to solve this. First of all, these chirps, maybe it's my ears, are really hard to figure out location, location, when there's a number of smoke alarms. And you're trying to figure out, where is this one chirping? And of course, it's the middle of the night and you're not thinking well, and I'm getting on a little stool and barely reaching up, trying to figure out which batteries to change. And it didn't go well, and so I disconnected the whole thing and thought I'd do it in the morning, in the daytime, when I can think more clearly. Well, good thing I did, because when I was thinking more clearly, and actually on a ladder, and when I could see what I was doing, I saw what I had begun to do, and it wasn't right. And when I was trying to fix it, I'm glad this didn't happen in the night, it starts talking to me, and all the other ones are talking too. Warning, warning, and telling all this stuff that's warning. And then it switches from talking to massively loud sounds that are just roaring through the house. And so I'm really glad that wasn't my nighttime experience. Okay? The short version is, in the quick fix in the middle of the night that didn't work, I'd put in the new batteries in the wrong way. And so it was still messing up. And it took me a long while, even on a ladder, with the correct glasses to get it right. In the process, it had all this noise. The story is just to say, our feelings are hardwired into us. And we have battery backup. But when that battery backup gets kind of lean, our emotions chirp. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that sees a, a warning light on the dashboard of my car, and it says, check engine, and it just annoys me, so I put duct tape on it. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. But I can be that kind of guy when my emotions start to chatter and chirp before the big warning, warning sound off of my emotions. And the other thing that was hard to figure out is how my hardwire gets so confusing. One signal sends to another signal to another signal. A lot of different emotions are engaged. Hurt moves to frustration, to anger in a nanosecond. And I will think it's all about hurt. And I get all confused in the process while I'm justifying my verbiage that comes out and I'm quick to speak and quick to be angry when God says, no, no, no. Anger, human anger, doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires. What do we do about this? I know this is what the Word of God teaches. But I acted like I totally forgot it. I didn't even know it. I was acting like, no, my way of reacting is fully justified, and here I grow. I'm just hurt, okay? So I don't know if you can relate to that, but we need to figure out how to not try to fix things when our emotions are driving it in a place that makes it worse, right? And so, I need help. Thank you for coming and being my therapy. <laughs> you need help. All God's children need help. 
particularly right now, all across the nation. So what do we do? James is quite clear. Step one, humbly accept the word. Humbly accept the word. James 1.21 reads, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now it's interesting because James and Jesus agree on this metaphor of the word being seed that's planted in the soil of our hearts and yet we need to humbly accept it. So in the planting of seed, soil has to be adequately prepared. Jesus talks about it. You can find it in Mark 4 or Matthew 13. And there's different soil conditions. And only the soil conditions that are properly prepared are going to receive this seed. James just simply says, humbly accept the word. So unplowed ground is hard ground. Unplowed ground is a hard heart. A hard heart justifies the speech, the behavior, the attitude, the outlook, even the emotions, and won't back down from that. And the word of God hasn't been received in the heart in that condition. It probably is just squeezed out by the hardened heart. Never received. As if what God says doesn't even count. What I say matters. You gotta plow, you gotta remove the rocks, you gotta remove the weeds, you gotta humble yourself and accept the word. All begins with a humbling that is a confession, just like I confess to you today. This is what the word says, this is how what I did doesn't fit. This is what I did. This is how I justified it. I thought I was right. I was wrong. God is right about what I did. God is right about what I thought I did, that what I thought I did is wrong. That's confession. The moment you confess the truth, you release the grace that comes from the power of the cross. And that grace just floods back into your life so you can get help. If you keep going the route of my way instead of God's way, justifying my behavior and my anger and my emotions, and pressing forward for answers and solutions to problems that are bigger than us, but you're angry about it, and it's with your fix, God says your anger is not going to fix it. You're making it worse. All across the nation, churches are being split apart by angry Christians making the problem worse. And you could hear a pin drop in this room <laughs> because you know it's to be true. And I've been reading about it being true all across our nation. So we desperately, desperately, as followers of Jesus, need to get a hold of the solution that the Word of God gives us. But it's going to take some training. 
for that solution to actually make a difference when what we're doing doesn't match with what we believe. But the first step is humbly accepting the word. James continues, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James just shifted from the planting metaphor of soil and farmer and he just shifted metaphor to the mirror. I thought it would be kind of fun to show up today and uh, act as if I forgot what I look like in the morning in the mirror and come with my morning hair the unkept every which way and you just go, whoa, I don't know if I like his new hairdo. And you, uh, It would be funny, but you'd be distracted and this is too serious to distract you from what we're talking about today. To hear the word of God and to say you believe in the word of God to hear what God says about our behavior, to say you believe what God says about our behavior, and then act in a completely different way is like looking into a mirror that interprets us correctly and not believing it and doing what you want to do anyway. And James is saying, you need to understand that sure, we need to interpret the word correctly, but you need to know whether you do it or not, it interprets you correctly. It knows you. If you'll just look in, you'll see you. And you'll see what needs to be done to you to be presentable to God and others. But it takes some doing beyond just the hearing for that to take place. So here's a little something about me that I'm learning. I'm learning that I have a really active mind, but I have an overactive forgetter. And I'm going to finish that equation in a moment because James finishes it for us. And maybe you're like me too, an active mind with an overactive forgetter. And here's what James says. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. We're now ready to finish the equation. The equation is an active mind plus an active, overactive forgetter equals overactive emotions and overactive mouth, and James calls this a worthless kind of faith. It is worthless. In Revelation, you read about it being lukewarm, and Jesus spits it out. It's worthless, that kind of faith. You believe one thing and act like another. You've heard the truth, but act like you don't even believe the truth. But you say you believe the truth you heard, but you live as if you don't believe the truth. And this is what James calls a worthless kind of religion. 
So what do we do about that? Well, we're ready for step two. Every day, make time to think about two things. Now, be ready to write down the two things because that's not on your outline. Every day, make time to think about two things. We're going to learn this from Paul instructing Timothy, his, his disciple, his preaching disciple, his protege, Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So just in case you didn't catch it, I'm going to put it on a quote now. You must know the word. This is what you must know. You must know the word, and you must know yourself. Then you must connect the two. So if you're hearing the word of God, and you don't know yourself well enough to know how disconnected you are from what God is instructing, and you believe, you say you believe, and I believe in Jesus, and yet you act as if you believe something else is going to make you happy more than Jesus' instruction. And so you just go based on whatever. You know, you are believers, but you're going to be believers of whatever it is you think is going to make you happy at any given moment. And so we deceive ourselves when we say we believe the word, but we want to do our will, our word, our way, more than God's will, God's word, God's way. Did you know that before you can say yes to Jesus, you have to say no to the world? That's called repentance. If you've never said no to what Jesus says no to, I don't care what you believe, you haven't turned the corner. All of Jesus' preaching and the gospel preaching begins with believe and repent. If you don't say no, your yes is a self-deceiving yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Let me look at your life. Do you believe in Jesus? Let me look at your life to see if you turn the corner and you said no to some things and start making some progress in the training that comes from the Word. Okay? Not that we train our way into heaven, but if you truly have been changed by the seed you will be transformed with a hunger for more of God. And as you are hungry for more of God, you will walk after God and pursue God and want more of God, and this just looks like training. Now, it's work. Which leads me into, I can't wait to my next series in 2022. I don't know when I'm going to do it yet, and... Some of those things. So these are building on each other, but we just kind of need to move on here with just introductory. Every day, make time to think about two things. You're either shaped by the world or you're shaped by the word. That's how we started this series. Only people who are intentional in step two choose to be shaped by God's word. If you don't choose to make, make time, make time, you all have the same amount of time I do. If you don't choose to make time to think about your life and mirror, reflect a little about your life and make time to know what it is you believe, your life's going to go far afield from what God's word says. If your life, 
is so busy that your answer to the week's one's question, why bother, is I don't have time, I don't have time. You can't afford not to have time. You're messing your whole life up if you don't take time to train in the word, to know the word and know what you believe and know who you are and what the word says about you and know how these are this far apart and you need to figure out how to get the two together so that through the power of the cross and by the grace of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit released in the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection life in training in this truth actually works. If you don't have time, why is it you don't have time? If you fill your day edge to edge with activity and you have no think time, you're actually self-deceived because you are being conformed to this world by the catechism of this culture. Everything that you are filling your time with is the input, 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 input. It's thought input. And it's conforming input. We looked at this week one. And it's squeezing you into the mold of this world. And there's a problem. Hours and hours of catechism from this culture will create harmful emotions, harmful attitudes, and harmful actions. Jesus said, I want you to abide in me. And if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and I'll do it for you. Now, a little caveat there. If you're, his words are abiding in you and you're abiding in him, you're not going to ask for self-centered stuff because you're all Christ-centered now. You live in Jesus, and Jesus lives in you, and his words live in you, and you're all about his word. Ask whatever you want in that setting, and you're going to start to see amazing things take place. Abiding in his word is training in his word. And having his words in you is when his word has become your way of thinking, how you think. Last week we learned about that when we just started focusing on process it, process it, process it until it's yours. When you say you believe one thing, but you live something else, you need to be more serious about your everyday think time. That's what I'm calling training in the word. Step number three. This is the verse right before what we just read. This is also to Timothy, and this is what Paul says to him in verse 15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. I just want to put a quote on the screen that simply reads this way. Every Jesus follower needs to make training in the word an immersive practice. All across the nation, we have dabblers. We have those who sprinkle their lives with a little bit of the word. We have people that come a little bit of Sunday here and a little bit of Sunday there. National average is dropping fast. When I first started being a preacher every week, 80 to 90% of the people that came to church came every week except for vacations. Now, even the most committed have so much affluence and time off they can go skitter around anywhere and catch up with 
if they catch up, on the internet, and we're seeing lower dropping attendance. You know, church is not a place, church is not a service. Church, the word church is an assembly, are gathered in the presence of Jesus. And when that starts to drop and we don't gather in the presence with Jesus, our faith begins to be compromised. Do you just come for a sprinkling of God's word occasionally, or is your training in the word more immersive? Are you just a dabbler, or do you immerse yourself in God's word? Hours and hours and hours of catechism from our culture is not going to be able to be changed with a few minutes here, or even 100% attendance at church, because a half hour doesn't stand up to the 12 hours a week input or more you've been getting on the particular philosophies of this culture that are making you angry. You've got to be immersed in the word. Where are you at home? Abide in me. Have my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. Are you conformed to this world or are you transformed by the word? You're either shaped by the world or you're shaped by the word. You actually have been choosing your shape every day. Let's get in shape. Let's get in a shape that looks more like Jesus. I'm afraid that all across America, a lot of believers don't even know what Jesus really looks like anymore. Their version of Jesus is different than my version of Jesus as they get angry politically. We've got to reclaim Jesus and know that he's the answer. He's the answer to me. He's the answer to you. He's the answer to all God's children. On your talk it over sheet on the back side, um, questions five and six, and you'll notice question one I began with today. It's also on your U version outline at the bottom if you'd like to see it. I'm just going to read part of question five there. It's a, more of a summary. Hearers of God's word are only dabblers in it. Doers of God's word have an immersive practice of training in God's word to be able to live it. Rank yourself on a scale of zero to ten, zero being very little to no input from God's word and very little self-reflection. Now be honest, this is on a weekly basis, a daily basis. If you have very little time that you're making time, intensive time, you're taking time, making time for reflection and immersive training in God's word, you're a zero. Now, 10 is an immersive practice of daily training in God's word, which includes memorizing scripture and meditating on it. The process of making God's will your will, God's thoughts your thoughts, where do you land on this scale and why? And there's everything in between. Now, don't scold yourself or feel guilty if you're a zero or anywhere in between. That's not my point. My point is we each need to move from wherever we are and take steps closer to where God wants us to be. 
That's our purpose as a church. And I disclosed where I am in front of you to say, I have to take steps too. And memorizing God's word is key for me to be able to meditate on God's word throughout the day. It's key for me to be able to have that become my thinking and not just something I know about or kind of have to remember. We forget. I have an overactive forgetter. Only by memorizing does it become part of my breathing, my thinking, my living, my way of hanging on to this thing. So figure out where you are and just try to move up a notch and keep moving. And this progress over a long haul in the same direction is going to be so transformative, but you're not going to see it overnight. But you'll see it over time. And you'll never regret making a decision this morning to make more time to reflect on your own life and train in what God says about your life. The last question is, how would you like to improve your training in the Word? Ask the group to pray for you in this. Well, we're going to have a prayer group to the stage over here. If you can figure out and you don't have your own group to talk this through with and your own group to pray about, you need to train in the Word. You need to take some steps. Uh, this, this Sunday just hit me right between the eyes. It's hitting me between the eyes. It should hit us between the eyes. Here's what I want to do about it. And ask for prayer. That's how I want to end today. I also want to let you know I'm excited about next week with a new series. And the new series is going to build off of this one in this way. The series is going to be called Filled complete, whole. What I just described in me is, no, that comes out when I'm not filled. That comes out when I'm not complete. That comes out when I'm not whole. That comes out when my soul is not smooth and full. There's footholds. There's cracks. And the enemy has got me. And he's taking more of me. Boy, and we need to learn from this. But the most exciting thing about this is I'm going to spend time from here to the end of the year in the book of Colossians. And I want you to spend time every day in the book of Colossians. And I'll support you from week to week. But I guarantee if you spend every day in Colossians trying to put into practice training in the Word, (laughs) you're going to come away from this series having been changed like no other series ever has changed you before because you're training. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for giving us such practical tools and sharp, almost cutting descriptions of our problems. But we kind of want some of this scalpeled out that we would be healthy and whole and complete and filled and experience the joy and life as you've described it in Jesus, all coming from him. Not that we can pull it off, but as we depend on you and learn from you and allow your truths to come to life in us, we pray that you would change some things in each of us and change our church and change our culture as we shine in a dark world. Lord, if there's anybody here that is on the fringe or on the edge and know they need to decide yes to Jesus and no to something they got that's gripped them, and they're in a captivity, may this be the day where they say no to that and yes to you and not even know how to go about training. 
but just give it up and ask for help. Lord Jesus, you're our Savior. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.